0: Later is an Australian DJ and producer based in the United States. He commenced his career in performance of another kind as a dancer in various commercial musical theatre productions which toured Australia and Asia. These included Mamma Mia, We Will Rock You, Shout, Chicago and Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Dan's love of music eventually lured him onto the decks, first as a hobby. In 2012, he won the Sydney Mardi Gras spin-off competition and soon was delivering beats and rhythms to enthusiastic crowds on dance floors around Sydney. Determination, invention and obvious talent propelled him onto sets and residencies at some of the biggest parties around the world. Dan is charming and thrives on his work. He's a master at his craft, conjuring a magic that provides an atmosphere and sound that commands a place on the dance floor. Dan joined Stages from his home in Miami. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on board uh, with Stages and and having a chat, so we can dig deeper into the art of the DJ and no. also catch up with um, Dan Slater, who Australia hasn't seen for a while.
1: No, Uh um, I don't know if they'll be back anytime soon, given the current political climate. Oh, the political climate and and
0: just the, just the. Um... The huge pandemic, which is engulfing the world. What,
1: you're based what in Miami. Tell me about I'm, what life is like there at the moment. I'm based here in Miami, which we keep calling the COVID capital of the world. Um, it's quite eerie because it go- has gone from being from about October through to March. April is like the busiest time of the year. And in March, it just sh- completely shut down. So it was a real ghost town. And it's, it's, it's actually really upsetting to see places that you are so used to being able to go down to the beach. Like I've got a five-minute walk from the beach. And I, just have to, I have, would have to avoid it because there's, people wouldn't even look at each other on the streets. It's this paranoia. But only just now people are wearing masks. And I've been wearing masks as soon as I leave the house for a long time now because my mom has been so, Daniel, wear a mask. Daniel, wear a mask. <laughs>
0: You're a good boy.
1: (laughs) The good thing is it's people are being very socially aware, socially distant. They've shut down Ocean Drive. So they're starting to reopen restaurants all in outdoor spaces, Um, six feet away. You have to wear a mask until you get to your table. And I think it's like maybe six people maximum at a table, but it is nowhere near as strict as other places have been, and we should have been a lot stricter
0: here. Do you think um, you should maintain that strictness? I mean, are are people
1: relaxing rules a little bit early? Um, I think in general, the US relaxed laws like way too early. Um, But at the same time too, I understand where they're coming from because there's businesses are just going out, like completely losing income and just having to shut. Miami is going to be a very different place. Once this we recover from this, yeah, I think the world will be. I mean, it'll, it's forced us to look
0: at the way we do things, and um, some positives will come out of it. Oh yeah, one
1: hundred percent. Like, I think also the way that people, like especially in like the performing arts, the, I think people will be will not take it for granted as much, and being able to be together with groups of friends. Like last night, I had some friends over for dinner and there was four of us. And um, there was a couple that were like, we actually haven't been able to go to dinner with friends for a long time. Thank you so much for just bringing us together. And I was like, well, I would much rather sit at home and be able to talk to my friends and have a catch up rather than be like out and interrupted, so. So
0: how's your work been affected? Because you know, you're DJing, you're, you're out in great groups of people creating a, a, um, an atmosphere to, to celebrate and dance. That's just come to a grinding halt, I guess. I
1: have been, look, I've been very, very lucky that this year was going to be probably the best year that I've had as a DJ. In January, I was booked from January through to October with without any weekends off. And most weekends I'll end up working Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I had, like last year, I'd set myself up quite well that I was, I, if... I didn't know, no one knew that this was going to happen, but I have been able to be, live pretty comfortably, but it's gone from 100 to zero in the space of about two weeks. That was back in March. Um, but in February, I remember I was going to play in Singapore and I think about four days beforehand, they was like, oh, we're going to have to cancel you. There's this coronavirus. We're, they're very nervous about putting on events. And I was like... It's okay. I'm going to Brazil next week. So it's been, it has been, there's been lots of ups and downs and I've learned a lot about myself, a lot about other people. And I guess it's time for evolution. Like you're having to almost reinvent how people are going to perceive you as a DJ and as a producer.
0: A lot of DJs seem to have gone online. And I know we, we had an email a little bit earlier, you thought you might have to do a, a, a sunset video, um, which is, I've had a look at a couple of them. They're glorious, just watching you know, somebody have fun playing music while the, the sun
1: goes down behind them. So we moved a lot of, a bit of stuff around and um, I, I have tried to not do many live streams and now focus more on production. Being, like, it's keeping yourself relevant. And I would much rather invest time and money in producing music rather than just playing music for the sake of it. Because for a live stream now, most people will click in, click out, that's it. But songs are going to be around for a while.
0: Yes, and I guess this hiatus has given you an opportunity to focus a bit more on producing music.
1: Uh, Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have had that time in in the past. (laughs) not at all, but this is the thing, like everything was kind of, you get your songs ready for set for summer because you're, you're about to go on, like you'll have a summer tour and it will be about certain songs or you'll do remixes for certain artists and everything just got put on hold. Yeah. So finally we have a few projects that are coming out. I work with a singer, Zoe Badwe, who's actually in Melbourne And we're super excited because we've got one project that comes out at the end of this month. And it's a a feel good anthem, which hopefully, I think we're gonna start, we're actually gonna do a film clip via Zoom. So we're gonna put the call out to, it's gonna be a pretty epic project, but we're very excited about it. And we want as many people to be part of it as, as possible. Yeah, it's extraordinary
0: what artists have been able to do using the Zoom platform. Totally. I think the last time we caught up was in the green room slash a tent waiting to uh, perform at um, the Sydney Mardi Gras VIP Bobby Goldsmith Glam Stand. And from memory, that was very early in your
1: DJing career, wasn't it? About 10 years ago? Mm, I think it might have been 2013. So I've been DJing since 2012 now. So I'm coming up to eight years. But it was, yeah, that was very early on. And I think it's... Being as, like, I went from musical theatre and I left there and did a Bachelor of Business in Marketing. So I always thought that I was going to go straight from working as a performer into a marketing role in entertainment or television. Because but that's a the, definite in- consideration, isn't it?
0: You know, you can have a great time dancing and doing musicals in your 20s and a bit of your 30s, but then you think, I need a bit of routine and security. Totally.
1: And... um. I think that's helped me a lot like marketing myself as a, as a DJ, but yeah, that was God. That seems like forever ago, Marty (laughs) got on. You'll be back there again one day, I'm sure. I would love to go back to Sydney. I I went back for Christmas to surprise my mom. I was back in Sydney for 24 hours and then I flew up to Bangkok for white party. Bangkok, and I played there, and then I came back and I played New Year's Eve in Sydney. I'm surprised I didn't get like COVID a lot. Yes, yeah, to... so
0: you would have thought that you might have been exposed to it somewhere
1: in your international exactly. travel. Exactly, because like literally in the first part of the year, it was Bangkok, Sydney. I was on a on a cruise. I was on. I was in New York. I was in. Miami, I was in Boston, I was in Atlanta. Yeah, I'm very, very thankful.
0: So this is why you're now based in Miami, I guess. Your work requires a lot of travel and that's an easy
1: departure point. Totally. Like, I always thought that LA was going to be my home base, but LA just isn't for me. Miami is is a place where you can get to the airport in 20 minutes. You can be anywhere on the East Coast in three hours, you can be in Europe in eight hours. and it's gorgeous, like it's what time is it now? <laughs> it's <laughs> quarter past
0: six and 31 degrees outside. Fantastic. And it's the home of the Golden Girls.
1: Yeah. The Golden Girls <laughs> <laughs> So you, you, obviously, you must miss Australia. I totally miss Australia. I miss the lifestyle. I miss my friends, but the majority of my inner circle, they're all over the shop. Like people are in London, people are in LA, people are in, some people in Sydney, some of them are in Melbourne. So my family, my my family are all still in Sydney and they pretty much all live 20 minutes from each other. So it's been like going home is hard. And my mom, when this all started happening, mum was like, come home. Oh, no, no, mum was actually, stay, stay, stay. What are you going to do when you go back to Australia? Everything's shut down here. But now she's seeing kind of the numbers that are happening here and it's, she's like, come home, come home. Yes. And I is. actually, I considered it, but I just, I can't, I just can't, I can't come home just here. I've worked too hard to be here. Exactly. And I know it's about health and... You've just got to be smart and there's things coming up soon like events and there's, there's work opportunities here that I know I would never get if I was back home in Australia. Well, just wear that mask and be careful. Yes, I, I have actually got personalised Dance Now, Dance Later masks. <laughs> yeah, I see them so advertised
0: on social media. Yeah. I love that. Uh, this is obviously your marketing background, Dance Now, Dance Later. And what, a, what a
1: terrific phrase. Uh, well, it's actually uh, my friends were at uh, Manta, uh, was it Manta down at Wollumalu Wharf? This is probably going back ten years ago, and this is when I was dancing, and people we were uh, like, "Oh my God, this is such a funny joke! Dance now, dance later." I was like, "Okay." It went along, and then I was like, hmm, "How do I cash in on this as a DJ?" So I um, started getting merch designed, and it's things have just. Kept on rolling and rolling. <laughs> it's actually been it's a, it's a good revenue stream considering that the performing gigs are not we're not performing at the moment. Um, and I've got some yeah I can't really share too much, but there's a, some pretty exciting projects coming up that aren't DJing. <laughs> really, wow, that's great. Well, we we wait with bated breath. You grew well, up in yeah. Sydney. Yeah, I'm a real Sydney boy. My family had a place in Ultimo on Jones Street.
0: Oh, you're right there in the centre? Right
1: there, right around the corner from the Lyric Theatre.
0: <laughs> you, you, of course, would have performed there
1: a couple of times maybe with Priscilla. We did Priscilla there. The first, actually, the first musical I did was Mamma Mia. Um, we did Mamma Mia, we did Priscilla, we did... Did Chicago there? No. Oh yeah,
0: did well, Chicago there? Did we? Well, there's been about ten productions of Chicago. I think so <laughs> I'm sure they've played at every theatre. Uh, yeah, I know. So, so uh, um, shout? No, that no, shout was, um, at the, um, was, no, was at the Royal or the Capitol. That was at the Capitol.
1: Really bad that I can't remember where shows were. I was like, I know I did it. I just can't remember. <laughs> oh, it's a
0: couple of, couple of decades ago. <laughs>
1: the funny thing is too, it's like we're, um, the, the Australian cast of Mamma Mia is doing something coming up soon and I obviously can't give too much away about that but it's going to be weird because a lot of people stood up and really know that I have a musical theatre history. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you ever play have... um, uh, ABBA in your sets? Of course.
0: The gays go wild for Vulevu. <laughs> Fantastic.
1: Gimme give gimme give gimme, chair version.
0: Yeah, yeah. What about that Cher album? Yeah, that, that's um Share
1: Meets Abba. Who'd have thought, but it was fantastic. I loved it. I actually really enjoyed I enjoy watching some of these like the remakes. Well no, the, the when they make the musicals into the movies.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because it brings back like, so many like happy memories and you go, Oh do you remember when that happened? Or did you enjoy your life as a dancer and a
0: musical theater performer? I loved it. Like I had so many great opportunities
1: as far as travel and, and many oh, great totally. people. And yeah. I, We like coming straight out of full time and being on it on, on Mamma Mia, we did Sydney, Brisbane, Perth, Adelaide, Auckland, Hong Kong, Singapore. So like as a 20 year old, who gets yeah. these opportunities? Yeah. yeah. And then like on Ruroku we went to Tokyo and we went to Osaka and like you get to, like some of the places we got to perform in and just explore like, but like even now, I, my mum, she made me this quilt um, and it's got all postage stamps on it. So every single pl- like place has a postage stamp of where I've been
0: or of played or
1: done a musical. So it's pretty special.
0: Dance now, dance later quilts, maybe. No, no, quilts,
1: that's mum's department. So Would <laughs> <laughs> But she actually, no, she's going to make me a new one um, because usually as for some of the festivals and stuff, they give you, like, branded merchandise. So she's like, keep all the shirts and whatever you... And I'll make it into a quilt for you. So. Excellent, excellent.
0: <laughs> Dan, do you know the first words you spoke? Oh, I've got no idea. You've never been told?
1: No... Hmm, I have to get back to you on that one. All right, that's all right. What's... Well, post it in the comments section. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. I can tell you what time I was born though. I was born at four thirty-five p.m.
0: Oh p.m. All right, not in the middle of the night because a lot oh. of your working time
1: is in the wee small hours of the morning. Yeah, which is kind of weird because, like, when I am working, usually my routine when I'm back here is I'm in bed by eleven o'clock. I'm up by eight o'clock in the morning, and because and you because you're constantly traveling around to different places and time zone, you're working on a 24 hour schedule, like trying to respond to people. So that's why I try and make sure that I go to bed, switch up all like computers, phones, and actually get a decent sleep during the week. Um, and maintaining
0: your, your health to optimum would be pretty paramount. I guess, I, I guess you're particular about diet, um, exercise. Well, that's,
1: I bought a slow cooker,
0: so... (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. So just before you go to bed, you can put it on and it's ready.
1: Well, usually about four or three o'clock, I'll put everything in the slow cooker. (laughs) Go to the beach for a couple of hours. Come home and then um, I've got five meals there waiting for me. (laughs) You've got it sorted. Yes. It's a routine down.
0: What about your favourite sound? What what do you enjoy? What's, what's your favorite? Ooh.
1: See, when I'm at home, I either have no music on, or old disco and like funk. Great, well, that's just to get you out of that um,
0: that workspace, I guess.
1: Completely, because otherwise it's just like you are constantly surrounded by noise. It's nice to have come back and have a little bit of a a safe a safe space, I guess. Do you ever listen to any music theater? Um, winnings? I can't remember the last time I listened to a musical theatre. What did I, what did I watch recently? I watched something with a friend and I was like, you've never seen this before? Frozen. (laughs) Oh, I love Frozen. I heard it was about to actually open in in Australia recently. Yes,
0: it's scheduled for December. So I'm not sure what's happening with that, but um, that was sort of all, it was cast and set to go into rehearsal and then COVID happened and um, yeah. But as far as I know, they're still hoping to get it up in December. So fingers, fingers
1: crossed. crossed. Fingers crossed. I'd see, I've been watching the news a little bit in Melbourne and I see they're in stage five and I, we are about to do a video We somehow I'm going to shoot a video clip with Zoe in Melbourne and I'm in here in Miami. And yeah, it, before they went into lockdown, it was going to be very easy. I don't know how this is going to happen now. I guess yeah. we'll have to put our thinking caps on. And it
0: is called show business, isn't it? So <laughs> yes. somebody has to make some money out of it somewhere.
1: Well, this is a, this, the main reason that I did this project with Zoe, we did it together, is because we just want to create a positive message. At the moment, there's so much negative on social media. Like, people, and everyone is entitled to an opinion. I totally get that. But I don't want to be opening up my computer every day and seeing someone write this nasty thing about this person or this person and,
0: yeah. It's this extraordinary social media, which you would hope would bring us all closer together, you know, uh, globally. Uh, We're only, you know, a a keyboard away from each other. But it's opened up all of this sort of... People aren't kind anymore, are they? they just sort of... Especially if they can be anonymous behind a keyboard and write anything they like.
1: Not at all. And, look, I'm... Not going to lie during this time i 've actually been targeted personally because I went back to work um, at a club in Atlanta, and people who weren't there decided to literally send me the most disgusting messages that i've ever, and you don't know how to deal with this. you just get consumed by it, and you re- you read it and you go, "What are these people th- like?" what are these people thinking? Like I am a human human being as well and I'm there to do a job. So it's been a very interesting couple of months. Yeah.
0: That takes a lot psychologically to, to deal with that. I mean, it's only one idiots. Oh, but
1: no, trust me. This went on for two weeks.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. From the same person or a group of people? Oh, uh, like let's just say thousands of people. <laughs> oh my,
1: that's a big group. But, um, it, it's just that people, they're at home, people are looking to like, blame someone for this, have a got someone for this and this. I, if you've got nothing nice to say, don't you say don't anything say at it. all.
0: Yeah.
1: So I'm like saying, if social media definitely has a lot of power, but I think it's a, it would be nice if people started being a lot more kinder to each other.
0: In the theater, we are reviewed the reviewers come and see the show, review it. Does that happen with DJs? Um,
1: I haven't really had many, like, people come to ever review a show that I've done. I guess review our reviews would be based on your popularity and just working constantly. Like... Because you yes, build a following,
0: I guess, don't you? Do people follow you around at... To various parties and and gigs
1: and that's actually why I kind of uh, that's what I miss the most is connecting with people and um seeing people that you because in the US it's so easy it's like here it's so easy to fly to another city and spend a the weekend there and you'll get to catch up with friends and so, a lot of the time I won't stay at hotels I'll stay with friends because that way you can catch up with them properly yeah. you can sit down you can actually watch tv you can have meals together so exiting musical theatre, you, you did a Bachelor of
0: Business in Marketing, and, and I, I think I cut you off before, but you'd hoped to work in television, yeah?
1: Yeah, so I did my internship at Foxtel um, with their marketing and strategic integration um, uh, team. So really, really good friends of mine were working there. Um, I think pretty much Foxtel has maybe shut down quite a lot from what I've heard recently. It's it's smaller than what it used to be, yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, so there's so
0: much competition now with the other streaming platforms, you know, Stan and Netflix and...
1: Yeah, everything, like, and... But this is the thing now, like, they can't even make content. Like, it's hard to make content because you can't make television, you can't do this, you can't do... you can't make movies. Well, um, I've got
0: fr- friends on Home and Away and they're talking about, you know, there's no uh, scenes of intimacy. No, they can't kiss anymore, you know, it's all... Oh, so they're
1: actually making TV in Australia? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's a that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: And reboot rebooting shows. You know, our our friend um, Trevor Ashley has just been cast in the new Flying Doctors.
1: No way. Ah.
0: Yeah. Oh. So is not that great? Just send you a message. Yeah, do send you a message. Yeah. <laughs> he he does the drag bingo at the local pub, and.
1: Oh, I remember. Isn't he, that yeah, great? I it's going to hate me for this. But I remember he's like, oh, love, can you shave my back? I was like, this is what my career has come to. <laughs> <I'm> shaving <laughs> me his back. Were you dancing behind him at the time? We we I think we were, we were either doing Priscilla together at the time or we were doing a Priscilla-esque show in Darwin. And I was like, oh, God. Okay. Well, count yourself lucky. I'm sure there's not a lot of people
0: have been asked to shave his back. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Trev. Love you, Trevor. <laughs> so, so when did
1: Thoughts of DJing um, come about? Did it start as a hobby? Yes, yeah, so I was, while I was studying, I've always, you know, I've always had, like, a love of electronic music. I think the first single that I had was Too Unlimited, The Workaholic which is like this heavy techno back in the 1990s. <laughs> so I've always like growing up with like electronic music and seeing like fads go in and out and built up a collection. So while I was studying, I just needed some sort of creative outlet because I would pretty much stopped dancing and I stopped dancing and I just wanted to do something. So I started doing one-on-one lessons with this place in Leichhardt called the DJ Warehouse, which I think might have shut down. Um, but it, and I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want anyone to know I just was doing it for myself I was like I just want to learn how to DJ and it was it was really cool like because I learned off um, two straight guys and I like learned all different styles um, and my, my real love of when I'm DJing is like deep house and tropical house because it's just got that like summer vibe to it and Define those genres for me. Are they. Uh, um... so, yeah, the tropical house is more, it's, it's definitely melodic. It's got like, it's a bit more, it's a bit more easy listening. Um, Some chill music? Uh, not super chill, but like it feels like you'd be sitting in a, in a cabana in Ibiza or in, on a like a, a sun lounge in Nice or somewhere like that. Something like feels very, that's the stuff that I love. So so it was a hobby. Is it an expensive hobby?
0: Because I guess you've you've got to procure music, your um your technology. Um it
1: w- kind of was, but it was I had a I was just like had a passion for it. I loved it. And then when I started getting booked for gigs, it just actually the first time that I played at Mighty Gras, was the year before the Bobby Goldsmith, and I'd won the DJ spin out competition. So you get to play like an opening set. And it was a disaster. (laughs) What went wrong? It was raining, the equipment wasn't set up. (laughs) Were you in the RHI or one of those big halls? Uh, The the, in-between the two, so where everyone first gets to. So they open the gates and there's no music. And I'm like, hi, (laughs) I'm playing the opening set at Mardi Gras. (laughs) Was someone able to save it? Look, I then I was thankfully at this stage I knew enough to like set things up properly and, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was it was that was probably one of my first gigs and.
0: <laughs> a baptism of fire. Definitely a baptism of fire. So your first gigs were happening around Sydney, I guess we yeah. were playing at places like Ark and Home and oh well, in fact, I
1: played at Home was one of the first places I played at, but I didn't get to play at Ark. I think for maybe two or three years until I'd started DJing. Like there was specific promoters in Sydney who were like, he's not a real DJ. I'm like, well, I'm going to show you. <laughs> what, what did they
0: consider a real DJ? Oh, who knows? Who knows? Uh, yes, I know.
1: People could be fickle. Yeah, totally. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not a real DJ. I'm just going to go and get some real gigs overseas. So is that, is that what propelled you to, to go uh, international? I have been like, I'm so motivated, like always to make sure that I'm like constantly doing something new or, but when I, when I first started going overseas, I just was going on like as a holiday. So I would, this was, I'd finished my, or I think I was still studying marketing. So I was just, I guess I was doing business development and sending out press kits to people and contacting promoters and clubs and venues and saying, hey, I'm from Australia, book me. And you might contact 30 people in one night and you'll hear back from like four or five, but that's enough to say you're going on a European tour.
0: Absolutely.
1: And you just build the momentum like that. So when I see like DJs coming up and they're like, oh, you need to introduce me to this person and this person, I was like, well, I've never heard you play live before. You need to start forming these relationships because I'm not putting my um, career on the line for you. I'm more than happy to help people out, trust me. I'm the first person to contact someone. I'm the first person to recommend someone if I know that they're gonna deliver a like deliver a great product that's gonna be good for someone's event. But yeah, I think a lot of people just expect things to be handed to them. Do Do your crowds
0: differ much in Europe compared to the states compared to Australia in the in the music that
1: they want to hear and one hundred percent like in um, Australia is always going to want a more commercial sound. They don't like very much very different things from overseas. The Americans have like there's there's always like a like a tea dance night time and then there's an after hours and it's got a very specific sound south america they love their drums and their cha-cha-cha it's very very fast and then the europeans like so you've always got to make sure that you are doing your research and playing accordingly but still being true to yourself
0: uh the dj uh fascinates me um I i liken it to a science you've really got to be able to go in there and and, and read the crowd and match energy levels.
1: Totally. How how do you do that? Look, I actually prefer playing the whole night by myself because I don't have to worry about what the DJ before me is going to play or what the DJ after me is going to play. I can worry. I can do the music for the whole night. And I actually get so much joy out of, like, doing a warm-up getting the crowd going, going peak, like peak time, and then almost going to an after hours. Like, I love that. It's exhausting because sometimes you're playing like eight, nine hours, but sometimes playing for eight or nine hours in the U S is just as exhausting as playing two hours in Brazil because they love their things just so quick. And you've got to put so much more, like so much energy in just to that little space. So, yeah.
0: You're like a puppet master, I guess you're you're manipulating that crowd all through mm-hmm. the night. can you Can you rely on certain hours, you know like one am and three am they're going to be at this level and I need to provide this sort of
1: music or Yes. and you also have to make sure that you're just constantly not playing like radio hits, playing things that are a little bit different. People are going out and they want to be entertained. So you can play them new music that they might not have heard before, but, like, at the end of the day, we all want to be entertained and have fun and with our friends, and, yeah, I, I try and bring that to my sets. There's that fabulous story of, um,
0: I, I'm not sure, the DJ at Mardi Gras one year, early on, I think, and, of course, playing club beats all through the night, and then in the middle of it all just played the Blue Danube. da 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 da, da so- Have you heard that story? And the crowd <laughs> no. just stopped thought, what the... <laughs> <laughs> and then people just started, uh, and well, I guess they either walked off or they actually participated and whilst. Well, there was, I know, I know that, uh, you, you can't can- do and- that all the time, I know.
1: <laughs> or no, ever. Perhaps. Definitely a World Pride. There, Tom Stefan, who was a phenomenal DJ, he, he did something very similar and the crowd went crazy for it. It was like one of the closing parties of New York Pride, World Pride last year at Allegria. And it was just, it was a moment. So it sometimes works. I can't remember what the song was. I wish I knew.
0: Yeah. When it just comes out of nowhere.
1: Mm, totally came out of nowhere. Three minutes and everyone was living their best life.
0: Hey, speaking of World Pride, you know Sydney's got World Pride coming up. That'd be a nice time to return, Dan Slater.
1: I, I will be very interested to see if Sydney can pull off a World Pride. Big event? Yeah. It's just that there's a lot of... The Sydney that I first remember is very different to the Sydney that is now. Things are very heavily regulated in regards to venues, in regards to, I know that they've relaxed the lockout laws, but even like for me, when I came home to Sydney for Christmas, it was like almost like a ghost town.
0: And yeah, you've got a point. I mean, I think back to the Gay Games in two thousand and two, and what a fantastic fortnight that that was. Yeah,
1: energy—the energy energy in Sydney during that time was phenomenal.
0: Yeah,
1: like I was when I think it was in Brazil this week, this year, when Mardi Gras was on, and I had friends from Miami go to Sydney, and there was this whole thing where they had sold double the amount of tickets for. This is the oh, venue size. Yeah, yeah, the party, yeah. If you had done that here, they would have ripped you apart. So look, I don't know, like maybe I thought like I think that maybe instead of trying to go up Oxford Street, why don't you go down Oxford Street and then do something in Darling Harbour or something? Yeah. I is think it, it, Darwin,
0: you, it is absolutely <laughs> Darling Harbour, Darling. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's about you know if something's been the same for many many years, it's time to spice it, it up, come it? On, mix it something up, something new, reinvent, yeah. exactly, evolve. I mean, there's that old line: if it's not broke, don't fix it. Well, perhaps yes, some things are broke and they do need to be fixed Some things need to change. So, what are the tools of your trade? I guess you don't carry
1: around a big box of LPs anymore. No, I carry around my headphones. I don't take my laptop to work ever because I'm too scared that I'll lose it. And I carry around two external hard drives, which have the same amount of music on, or have always so I always always have a backup. So wow! So I can travel through life.
0: And you just plug that into the equipment at the venue.
1: Yep. So you have always like you'll have a technical writer. Um, depending on the event, I'll go and sound check. If it's in a club that's already functioning, I sometimes won't because I may have flown in. I will go straight to bed, sleep, eat, go to work, and then go home. So, so what's
0: on those hard drives? What's, what's your music collection? Where do you get that from? Do you make that yourself? Do you, are you downloading from iTunes? Are people giving it to you?
1: there's, yeah, you, as a DJ, there's like a lot of different promo lists that you'll be on from different la- uh, recording labels, um, other producers, um, there's stuff constantly coming out on Beatport, on all digital platforms, um, people are making remixes and selling them, and then you've got your own music that you're making and selling, that's like, the, and when you actually get to perform your own music, is it's quite an amazing feeling, like... I've been working with, for the last couple of years, I've been working with Alfie Akuri, um, Samantha Jade and Paulini and doing remixes for them. And the Americans love her, love them here. Like Alfie, love is love is, is an anthem here. The boys go crazy for it. They sing along, they'll send me videos and it's just... I try and explain this to Alfie, I'm like, you have no idea how much they love you over there. And I guess just, there's
0: no other DJs playing Paulini or Alfie or... All those Australians, yeah.
1: I, 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 and I always share my work with other DJs. Um, but yeah, that some of your stuff is en- like the anthems here. Can you please play "Love Is Love"? Please play "Love Is Love." And I'm like, okay, <laughs> here we go again.
0: You must spend a lot of time uh, being aware of uh, what's happening musically in the industry, and you've got to keep up to date,
1: I guess, with the latest sounds and. At the moment, it's hard. Yeah, it's too because because people are stuck at home, people are listening to a lot of different styles of music. So, like the the latest Lady Gaga, the latest Lady Gaga album, I think is phenomenal, and I just want to be. I want everything to open so I can go and see it on concert.
0: Yeah, was it Here Comes the Rain or
1: um, Rain on Me?
0: Rain on Me, um, yeah.
1: What else is this? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good album. Dual Leap has got some really great stuff, but I think that's the sort of sounds like disco dance is sort of heading at the
0: moment. So you do still get the requests. People come and say, "Play this, play that."
1: Oh yeah, you'd be really surprised at some of the requests that you get though. Can you please play some R and I'm like, no, not playing R and B. Doesn't fit
0: at the moment. Doesn't fit. Do you improvise your set or is that all pre-planned? You go in with a sort of, uh, I'm going to, these are my track list. And, and that's I always, go.
1: The way that I usually put together a set is that I'll make sure that I've got, I'll go through all my promo lists for the week. I'll go through anything that's kind of like being sent to me that's new. And I'll make sure I try and have at least 10 new, 10 new songs for each set. Because sometimes you're, you only get to play 30 songs. But it's having your own mindset and just having that freshness and keeping it fresh.
0: You you seem to be a picture of serenity. You've got a perpetual smile. Do you ever lose it? Oh yeah.
1: Oh gosh, last year <laughs> I was so exhausted. <laughs> that like I won't say no to work. And if it's logistically possible, I will do it. But around I think it was going into World Pride in New York. I think I had I'd maybe just taken on a little bit too much work going into summer. And then we got to the end of June. And we got to just before New York Pride and I had to unfollow every single group, group message, WhatsApp, everything page that I was because I was getting just notifications. And it actually gave me a lot of anxiety because there's so much heightened emotion. People are like, this is going to be the best thing and this and... I'm like, I had to say, I did this campaign for John Barbados, which is a clothing label here. And they're like, what do you want to say about this? And I said, look, people need to remember that pride is more than just a party. It's a protest. You're not going to pride to party all the time. We're going to like, it's a protest. Like, think yeah, That's about where its origins what we- are, its roots. Exactly. So- but, like, leading up to that, I was having the worst anxiety. Thank God I have a beach here that I can walk down the street, and when I get to the beach, I'm in a happy place. But then I, you mentally have to prepare yourself because I think I played in 10 days. I did seven cities. Wow. Two in New York, San Francisco, P-Town, Sagata, which is up in Michigan, Santiago, Buenos Aires. Yeah, there's a lot of-
0: and if you've got a PA or a, um, a manager that sort of uh,
1: organizes that for well, you, you've got to do that yourself. I've got booking agents um, that will look after me in the US, in Canada, in Asia, but I will not let anyone else book my travel except for myself. <laughs> yeah, like so a promoter will like, book you on a basic economy ticket to save them $20. Oh, yeah. You've got to be I'm comfy. like, how much the flight's going to be. You can either give me the full flight or I'll book it myself. Uh,
0: some people, when they work in the theatre, have superstitions. Do you have any rituals that you go through when you're DJing?
1: Look, I always take food with me to work because <laughs> I get
0: hungry. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So you're you're
1: eating during a set? Yes. <laughs> what, what sort of things are you eating? Just candy and stuff or I'll take protein bars or protein shakes. <laughs> Well, I suppose you've, you've got to fuel yourself, don't you? Especially if it's yeah. a long shift. It's exhausting. It's like going. It's like playing a, a football game sometimes. It's like people are like, "Yeah, just stay there and you play music." I'm like, "You have no idea." <laughs> are, are you able to um,
0: answer texts if someone sends you a text, or is it your complete I, I focus the, on I watch.
1: the? I got the iWatch, so I don't have to. Like, if I look at it, and I'm like, I don't even have to like worry about it. Right. Um, if because I don't want to be one of those DJs who's on their phone constantly. Yeah. If there's a problem with like one of my friends getting into an event or something like that, then I'll, like, if it's someone who's just, I'm like,
0: no. No, no. Um, what about if you need to go to the loo?
1: I will go to the toilet, yeah. Right. But it's, it was so funny. That I was like, there was a couple of weeks in a row where I was playing and I would run out and because they were like small clubs, you'd have to go to the restroom. And someone was like, oh, can I take a photo? And I was like, can I pee and go back to work? That's <laughs> when <laughs> so you know you've made it. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> What's the most exciting moment you've had DJing? Oh, that's a tough one.
1: Um, ooh. Last year, actually playing in New York for World Pride was pretty spectacular. It was on Pier 17 down in, so in the background you had Brooklyn Bridge. The other way you were looking down towards Wall Street. And we had like a double rainbow. And it was just like, it was one of the most incredible gigs I've ever done. Um, a, 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 a rainbow as part of the set or there was a real rainbow in the sky? Cause we had a, like, we had a storm halfway through the event. So everyone had to go downstairs. And then there was this double rainbow. Everyone came out and I was like, wow, this is. Wow, wow. Um, and, and
0: what sort of numbers are in the crowd for that?
1: I think they had 3000 people there from memory. Yeah. But yeah, like playing in like Brazil is one of my, I love playing in Brazil. Um, New York was, has always been fun. Always playing in Miami is always great too. Like, it's because now it's my adopted hometown. Has um, your life as a dancer supported your work as a DJ? 100%, because people always see me running, like jumping around and I bring an energy, well, I think I do, bring an energy that is entertaining. Yeah.
0: And look, and for those people on the floor, um, We've all got that primal urge to dance, don't we? Whether we do it well or badly, we all have oh, to cool. express
1: ourselves through uh, through movement. And there's t- there's certain songs where I will go out onto the stage and dance, and I'll like grab people up onto the stage and dance with them, and it's all about putting on a show at the end of the day.
0: <laughs> what? What about lighting designers? How, how closely do you work with them or, or not
1: at all? It's up to them just to follow. What lighting designers, not so much, but I do have a lot of control over my visuals. So, like, there's a lot of LED screens where you can get, you can give, like, an a AV company your, your images. So you'll, they'll use that at the beginning of your set or, like, throughout your set. So I've got a lot of control over the sort of image that I'm sort of portraying. Um, And I've got uh, about four or five different versions that I'll use, depending on what it's for. Um, So like, if it's like a daytime pool party, I've got like some visuals where it's more summery. Great. Um, And then I've got some nighttime stuff, which is a bit more dark and moody and
0: Atmosphere, creating atmosphere. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What's a tune that never fails to get people up on the dance floor? Um,
1: I have one that came out with Zoe last year, Sold My Soul, and people, I don't know, it was the year before, I think, people still want us to play that all the time. They're like, Sold My Soul, Sold My Soul. Um, Commercial-wise, what's the song that... No, Anything Madonna usually gets people up. Um... I feel like it's been while well since i played in a club. It's been almost like another two months. So far, It's so weird going back to work. Well,
0: I think this year certainly has just distorted any sense of time. You know, three months can feel like three minutes and vice yeah. versa. Um, and where are we?
1: we yes, I think it was yesterday. No, two days ago, I was at the beach with a friend of mine who's another DJ. And I think I asked him three times. He was, I was like, what day is it? He's like, it's Wednesday. I already told you this. You've gotten your arse.
0: Oh dear, oh, dear.
1: <sighs>
0: so we're the other side of this. Have you really thought about what that might look like? I mean, depending on how long it takes. But do you think we'll be able to sort of gather in clubs and venues and parties
1: again? They are at, actually starting to do um, events in certain areas, and they're very they're very legal where you have to get COVID tested beforehand and then you get rapid tested before you enter.
0: So temperature checks and...
1: Yep, which I think is, unfortunately, it, people might see it as discrimination, but I think it's just a way of keeping people safe and healthy until there's a vaccine. Yeah, I found out... I'm getting more information from my doctors back in Australia than I am from any news source back here in the US. Really? So so the yeah. media is not
0: communicating information really at all as it should be.
1: gosh. Yeah, I I actually had to stop watching the news cuz I find it really depressing and just all over the shop. I think everyone really needs to look out for each other a lot like cuz the riots the during that the time here during the riots were very scary. Did you see any riots in Miami? Um Thankfully, there were some going down Ocean Drive, but I very rarely left my home during that time. Um, my friend, some of my friends went to some that were downtown because um, I live in South Beach. But apparently they were very pre- peaceful. And there was one that happened here one Friday that a friend of mine told me. He was like, do not leave South Beach. Do not leave your house. Because the police had already been made aware of it. And it was um, a killer cop. It was this killer cop protest. That was actually what it was called, which I found absolutely disgusting. Yeah, appalling. Yeah. appalling.
0: So, Well, let's finish on a nice note. Well, uh, yes. People, <laughs> the listeners, yeah, want to get more of Dan Slater. What are your socials? You've got a website, I guess. Yeah, um, uh, dancenowdanslater.com.
1: Where people Um, can access all sorts of merchandise. Yeah, you can get merchandise. You can find out what I'm up to. And I'm actually starting up um, a VIP access membership because I want to be able to still perform for my fans. And as part of that, you'll get, get to get previews of new music. You'll get live sets, which I'm actually videoing from different places around... Like I'm gonna do one from Miami in a couple of weeks. I'm gonna do one from a rooftop in LA, taking a boat out. Um, so these are all things that if you join, then you can actually see. You go to but, all those
0: parties with you.
1: Well, they're not gonna be parties, but they're gonna be- Well, ex- virtual experiences. Virtual experience for you, for, for the someone who, who wants to still experience that.
0: And also there's all the, the Dance Now, Dance Later
1: merchandise that we can get to, T-shirts and, uh, and there is something com- in the coming up very soon, which I'm very excited about because I never ever thought that this opportunity would come to me, but it's happening and it's happening very fast, so. But it is along the same lines as merchandise, put it that way. All right. Okay. We can't
0: wait to uh, to find out what that is. Dan, thanks for chatting to us. I know there's a lot of people in Australia who miss you, you know, from theatre circles and also uh, clubs so and venues. Hear from some of the like old musical theatre crew. Well, keep well, keep safe. And, and
1: as your mum said, wear a mask. Wear, a mask. wear a mask, wash your hands, socially distance. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great.
0: It has been uh, upsetting in episodes through the last few months to hear the way that COVID-19 has impacted many of the workers in the performing arts industry. Stages continues to record during this pandemic and because these conversations are recording history, it's sadly a part of everyone's story and we feel it's prudent to hear those stories. Disturbing to hear from Dan's vantage point in the States, eh? A sobering reminder for us all to wear masks, be mindful of health guidance and to take care of one another. Next week, my guest is Hugh Munro. Hugh has had a variety of experiences as a performer. I first laid eyes on him as a child when he, not much older, was a reporter on the celebrated children's show from the 80s, Simon Townsend's Wonderworld. His career has included actor, producer, clown drag performer, and as popular host of The Piano Room at the iconic Albury Hotel on Sydney's Oxford Street in the late 80s, early 90s. Hugh has a bag of stories, and he shares many of them next week on Stages. As always, I'm Peter Ayers. Keep well, keep warm, stay safe, and I'll catch you next time.